Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Constant Agitation. I'm your host Jimmy, and as al- as always, I'm uh, joined uh, by Eva. Hi. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Uh, long time no see. Yes. Since last week. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what do we have today? We have uh, an exciting uh, topic that we wanted to kind of forgot last week, and we decided to do it now this week. Right. Uh, today we're gonna take a look at a single photo that we wanted to mention <laughs> uh, last week, but uh, it went on very long. Yes. So we decided maybe today we keep it short and we talk about that one thing. Mm, yeah, I think it it will give us for a long conversation. I think it's one picture, but it has a lot to be said about it. Um, maybe before we get into the picture, we can just like maybe talk a little bit what we we've been up to this week. Yes, definitely we can do that. What do you have in mind? Um, the super exciting news that we started developing Slide. Oh yeah, we uh, did go out and uh, get ourselves a Cinestell E6 kit. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on that process? Um, I mean, I didn't know so much about the process of developing Slide before. I knew that it was somewhat cumbersome because since you are not gonna get a negative picture but a positive one there is like more steps into it and also it involved um, exposing your film to light again which is very scary to me thinking that in the middle of the process of developing you had to expose the film to light but this kit actually um, doesn't have that step in particular and it's just basically like doing c41 but with one more step in it and everything within the tank and just shaking and moving and rinsing and washing and when you open and you see the pictures, you have real pictures right there. Yeah, it's so exciting. Uh, they did come out super blue um, in the beginning, but then they kind of uh, start to show themselves nicely. Before we uh, go deeper, I want to check a few things. Technical issues, get them out of the way. Uh-huh. Uh, do we have any friends in the chat? We do have uh, Sede and we have Tim and Matthias. I think he went to b- have dinner, but maybe he's <laughs> still there. <laughs> uh, just m- making sure that uh, everything yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Um, uh, so if you guys can let us know that the sound is good and that the um, sync. Uh, sync issues mm-hmm. uh, are okay, uh, we would appreciate it. Because I'm monitoring, it seems like um, it seems like I'm syncing fine. Uh, you are a bit off your camera, so oui. if you guys are experiencing any of that, please let us know in the chat. Um, and yeah, let's get back into the topic until we hear something. What did you think about the process of developing slide? I really liked it. I really, really. Um, you know, the first time we I shot the new Ektachrome, mm-hmm. where we didn't have the kit, and I went ahead and uh, we cross-processed uh, it. Yeah. And uh, I was really pleasantly surprised by the results, uh, because um, it's not like I hate grain. I just like fine grain. Or, yeah, some particular type of grain. You know what I mean? I like it when it's nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. I like it when it's there. Yeah. Or when it's not overpowering the picture. And when we cross-processed, the Ektachrome came out very smooth. And I was thinking that, uh, I was surprised that uh, because it's a cross-process, I expected it to be much more grainy. Mm -hmm. But it was really fine and it was nice. The colors were shifted. But uh, not as much as I expected them to be. No, we were able to fix them without not much of work. And it kind of had this uh, nice look to it. 
I remember you showing me the pictures that we shot back and course process with C41. And I was like, what? That's out of the, you know, just doing the conversion, it didn't really look so cross-process to me. I'm used to working with the cross-processing, maybe Velvia and Provia, which they give you really strong color casts and craziness when you cross-process them, which is not to everyone's taste, I know. But when I saw this, it got kind of looked quite good. The skin colors were actually, skin tones were actually pretty accurate. So I was surprised with Ektachrome. Uh, performance being cross-processed, but of course now when you see the real, the real deal, processing it in the real, the good chemicals, it's it's different. One hundred percent. I, I was expecting that. I was expecting it to be spectacular when we when we develop it properly, but I was even further uh, pleasantly surprised with the uh, with the Cinestil. What do they call it? CS six, I think, uh, color kit. Yeah. We got the D9, which is supposed to give you nine stops of dynamic range. Yeah, so uh, maybe for people that are listening to us that maybe are not so familiar with playing what the kit is about and why there are different steps, different parts of the first step. Yeah. And which one we chose and why, maybe. All right, so maybe let's go into it from the beginning. Yeah. So let's start with yeah. the E6 process itself. Yeah. Okay, so two types of film. We have color negative and color slide. Mm -hmm. If you remember when you were young, maybe um, you saw your parents. Mm. They had the, these slides that they put in a machine projector and it just shows the images on the wall. These are slide film. And the difference is that it's used for viewing rather than printing. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have as much dynamic range. So if you're taking a photo of somebody in the shadow and behind them is the sky, the sky is going to be overblown. Or they're going to be very dark if the sky is colorful and you can see it without being too overexposed. Um, we usually shoot uh, negative film, which is also known as print film, because it has more dynamic range and it's used for printing. Mm -hmm. uh, most people shoot print film uh, when they get their photos printed. And, you know, when you look at your old photos, most probably these were shot on print film or negative film. So... That's always been the case with the slide film the f that it doesn't um, hold the like you can easily overexpose the highlights and underexpose everything. Or, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you 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 can't stop thinking about that meme. You saw. I can't, I can't. It yeah. was so good. There was a meme on Reddit that it was maybe we can leave a link to it, but it was like doctor like i'm overexposed and underexposed at the same time. This man needs more light and less light at the same time. <laughs> So I think someone left it in it from, from Reddit and shared it in the Discord. Yeah. So uh, one reason to be on the Discord, there's fun stuff going yeah, on you, there. You laughed uh, at that one for like two days straight. I still laugh for it when I think yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so that's usually the case with the, with the E6 process. And I've had uh, some slides. Um, do you remember the first Velvia we shot? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. In mm -hmm. the park one time. Back in the summer, yeah. Yeah. We left it uh, at a very nice uh, lab. Mm -hmm. uh, we got really, really nice. Like I think the best results I've got from a lab uh, in in this country <laughs> was that role. Uh, I'm curious to develop some, actually, some uh, color negative with them just to see what. Uh, yeah, what I, I think I think they're good. Yeah, and um, so, but still, some of the shots, the highlights were gone because yeah. because the user error. Yeah, yeah, I didn't meter properly. I didn't have so much experience, but. It wasn't just because Cine still say that uh, they designed this kit with ectachrome in mind. Yeah. And it does give really nice results on ectachrome. Uh -huh. 
However, I really enjoyed the Velvia we shot on it either, mm-hmm. and not a single photo had uh, any clipping in the highlights. Nice. Some of them were maybe were a bit too dark in the shadows. Yeah. Um, that was the case most pro- like in most cases that the shadows. Um, yeah. uh, again, it's user error. Um, but I'm really, really impressed with the results. Some shots I shot and I was like, okay, this, the I metered for the shadow, but I also took in, uh, took in mind that, you remember the, sh- the photo of the hotel with the pickup truck outside? Mm-hmm. That one I was like, if anything is going to happen, I'm going to clip the highlights. Uh-huh, yeah. I remember metering that shot. And when I looked at it, it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm... So the... Uh, as you said, this scene still what they had was ectagram in mind, but the particular thing about this e- E6 kit is that uh, for the first developer, because the process is first you use a developer, so you develop the image that you have there, then you have to do a color and reversal step, which basically turns your image from negative to positive, and then you do the bleach and fix, and then you do the photo um, flow if you want in the end. Yep. So CineSteel gives you the possibility to choose three different first developers, exactly. depending on the kind of style you want and also the kind of dynamic range that you would like to get from your images. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, a tungsten one, a daylight balance one, and a dynamic one, they mm-hmm. call it. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic one, they say that in good conditions, they can give you up to nine stops of range. Right, exactly. nine stop of range, Dynamic, which yeah. means if you have shot some some places that maybe is quite contrasty, so you have a lot of differences between the shadows and the highlights, which means that you have a higher dynamic range that you have some s- an image that is rather flat. Mm-hmm. This kind of developer would get you the best results in mm-hmm. those situations, mm-hmm. and uh, also this the one the dynamic one that gives you nine stops of dynamic range is also warmer in tone they say and we decided to go for that because it's more of our liking well it's um you can dilute it in three different ways <laughs> so if you do a one-to-one dilution it's going to give you a warm tone and then if you do it one to two mm-hmm. i think it's going to give you uh more uh, Normal. Uh, yeah. You, you read the. It, yeah. Remember? So one to one is warm. One plus two, it will give you more neutral tone, but you mm. will retain even more highlight uh, mm. d- details. I think. Mm-hmm. And then one plus three, it would be even more neutral, so a bit less warm than it was. And one probably three, more yeah. dynamic range, or. Uh, that it, it didn't say so much, or at least I don't remember. Because I'm what I'm thinking is that if the developer is less effective, strong, yeah, yeah, less strong, mm-hmm. it's it's gonna develop the highlights slower. Yeah. So that's how you that's kind of true. like get the shadows up, maybe like give the shadows more time to uh-huh. to brew, without spiking the highlights. Um, it, all in all, I think it just worked really nicely. I have to say though, we haven't sca- scanned yeah. the images yet. We just looked at them at the light <laughs> table, and. The, the the claim of nine stops i've seen some results being done online and uh-huh. uh, the claim of nine stops is uh, is a big claim <laughs> like nine stops maybe pushing it yeah but we will do more testing but do you know do you, like for me like the moment where i was like wow it was one photo that we have of a landscape with the moon early mm-hmm. on the day mm-hmm. of almost full moon so that mm-hmm. means there's a lot of, of surface of the moon mm-hmm. And you manage to have your your landscape well exposed, yeah. although a li- perhaps a little bit on the on the less exposed side. Yeah. And the moon, you can see details in the moon. Yeah. You can see the craters in the moon. Mm. How 
much of retaining detailing highlights is needed in order to actually get that uh, for a yeah. slide film. That's true. I forgot about the, the fact that the moon was in the shots because I was more, we did a, as I promised, I'm trying to get out of uh, my comfort zone and we did a photo shoot with a friend of mine who's a fitness model and uh, she wanted to take some photos for her sponsors and we we're like, yeah, let's have some fun. <laughs> and uh, towards the end of the shoot, we stumbled upon this landscape that was beautiful. The colors in the sky were amazing. But where we were was kind of dark because there was a lot of trees around. Yeah. So she was the darkest element in the in the whole uh, set. Mm -hmm. And I we had a flash and a reflector mm -hmm. and I was trying to do some fill light. Although um, in some photos it worked and some photos it didn't, I'm still not sure why. Um, we have to like dig Test it. Test it a little bit. Yeah. More. I mean... It was it was freezing cold. She was freezing in a t-shirt. <laughs> it was and minus six. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I was using the because Eva couldn't help because she also had a bunch of cameras, <laughs> and I was holding the RZ sideways <laughs> because we cannot turn the revolving back. <laughs> yeah, my RZ since the trip to the um, to, to the north, it stopped shooting in vertical mode. So now if I have to shoot vertical mode, I just hold it like this, and uh, so I had the flash pointing down yeah, to yeah. the floor. Okay. And I had the reflector holding it against my on my knees, basically. Yeah. So maybe the I I didn't reflect the light properly. I know for sure there is one that it worked. Yeah, it one worked. of them came out really yeah. nice. Uh, Tim is saying, show the film, guys. We cannot show you the film right now because it's not yet digitalized. This no. is we're telling you the really very first impressions of seeing this film developed. I mean, we can actually. We we can we can if uh, if people want to see it, we can figure it out. I yeah, can, maybe I can we can point just show it. This. I can point this. I lens. can put the. Or yeah, <laughs> maybe I, we can use this light or yeah. that light. We'll see. Maybe if we. Maybe towards the end, we'll keep we'll keep you hooked yeah. towards the end. <laughs> uh, in any case, that details on the moon from that shot from the trip to the north, like, blow my mind when I saw that. Like I didn't expect from a slight shot to oh get yeah, that. That's true. I forgot about that role. Yeah, that's like incredible yeah tim you've seen the vision 3 photo we shared on the discord uh we took because the landscape was so beautiful we i told you guys i doubled a lot of images because the rz was missing a lot of uh exposures and so i took the same one apparently on ectachrome and that one came out even better and it's mind-blowing i'm not blaming it on the vision 3 i love that film it's becoming my favorite negative film which is strange because it's not a photographic film to begin with but it's performing really really nicely however i was very impressed with the with the ectachrome uh i think eva is uh, yeah she's looking for it. she found it yeah nice uh if you're listening to this podcast i will have to say that this uh, would be much better if you come and hang out with us live um also um if you listen to the intro uh, the submissions are still open to uh, give us a nicer intro or anything. Maybe some uh, music for um, the waiting screen. We will always love to use your music and, of course, uh, credit you in the links down below. And as, al as always, check out the links whenever you're done or during the podcast. We uh, try to put them up ahead so you can watch with us maybe in high resolution. Uh, and if you like my skills wasting time until Eva finds the photo, please give it a, a thumbs up. <laughs> so, you got it. 
Cool. I think so. <laughs> Let's see which one it is. I think it's on the second row. On the second row. Did you get any gloves? Yes, I Thank did. you. Best practices for the audience. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to... Uh, it's, it's your turn to... Uh, to, to uh, keep talking while I should. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, hi. Hi. He knew. He's saying that he has a sync issues. I'm not sure. Um, if anybody else has sync issues, please let us know. <laughs> Is it that one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How are we gonna do this? Let's see. Yes, for the per people listening, we're trying to get to show a live film because, of course, we don't have to convert it. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to use your uh, your angle. Sure. That's okay. Yes. And now you get to see my awesome uh, He's coming, Tim, he's coming. He's like, I don't see anything. I think this light might be too hard. Yes, wait. Yeah, let's use that one. I think this is this is uh, an absolute mess right now. <laughs> I cannot see through. So does it read? No. Wait. Oh, okay. Then maybe you do it on the other camera. On the other camera? Yeah. You want the gloves? Yeah. There you go. Okay, we're trying to now put it on the other camera because I have a light table that I can change the. <laughs> brightness of yeah she's about to hijack my angle it is it is you're on you just need to uh, you can see the monitor here on the screen you need to do the focus <laughs> just focus on the closest distance you have there and then move the light table closer to it You might be too close. Yeah. Yeah, this is the photo. Um, there is detail on the moon. I can confirm that. Um, and you can also see that the frame right next to it is completely black. That's because of the... Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really, really happy with the, with the ectachrome results. I think I need to oil this mic stand. You can almost see it. Maybe back up a little bit. There. Yeah, again, this, this lens is a soft lens, so you're not getting much details in there. And there is a lot of uh, gradient like happening. What do you call it when the gradient is sectioned like that? and more to the side yeah this was this was dark like this was at this was like early in very early in the morning like 3 or 4 a.m yeah. it was um, uh, the foreground was pretty dark and the sky was very bright but you can see there's a lot of detail in the shot even in the, even in the shadows all right i'm gonna re-sleeve this uh, before you sit down, can you fix my camera, please? Of course, yes. <laughs> now I'm just a, a, a blur. Yep, almost. Uh, 
And you got it. Cool. So, this was uh, crazy. <laughs> we hope you yes. guys enjoyed it. <laughs> the podcast listeners are going to be confused as hell. Yeah. This is this is not one of the episodes that is best for uh, listening. <laughs> Experience. Hold on, let me see. Let me hook you up. <laughs> yeah, Tim. Uh, we we also really think these photos are amazing, and I can't wait to. Um, actually, I was thinking uh, that I have only seen 35 millimeters slide before because my parents used to shoot a lot, but I never seen a mounted medium format slides me neither i haven't seen those um i mean growing up i haven't seen uh, 120 film at all it was uh yeah it was like a studio thing it mm -hmm. wasn't something that um, you know my family or relatives shot with um yeah one of my relatives actually told me that um he was he used to work in uh, in a photo lab when he was like uh, 17 or something mm -hmm. And uh, they used to shoot on six by nine. And these were like considered like big photos. And his job was to sit and take a pencil and do retouching on the negatives. On the negatives <laughs> themselves. That's a uh, old school phot Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a really cool, I, I assume, to, to, to have a summer job like that. Um, but, anyways. Uh, what are you what are you seeing on the chat people uh, yeah Tim is saying medium format projectors aren't super common but those you find are only six by six good luck finding one that does anything larger than that uh, yeah that's the thing most things are for medium format are six by six the the way we do scanning right now is kind of like designed to six by six as yeah, well so with we the, have to uh, move our things around a lot yeah. mm. the digitalizer is the lomo is it by lomo it yeah, is lomography digitalizer holder. We put it on the light table, and it's uh, designed to take three uh, six by six six by six frames. So when you cut your film, mm -hmm. you can just really nicely do it. It does well with the six by nine because then you can load two photos at yeah. a time. But then when you want to do six by seven, <laughs> then always one photo is hanging out. Yeah. If you cut them, but the way we cut them is three photos, three photos, and then two, two photos, two, two photos. Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, um yeah i think uh, i'm i don't know like a slide is like a completely different thing and i i really enjoy it a lot more than i guess i expected and i would like to have a projector and and you know see and like, the things it would be really nice yeah and you do shoot now your favorite camera is a six by six yeah it is actually <laughs> Yeah. so far um now that we were actually talking you were mentioning how your relative used to do manual photoshop on the negatives maybe we can move to our next topic of today uh we can do that but first i want to uh, address something mm -hmm. uh, we as always we post on instagram before the show mm -hmm. that if you have any topics you want us to get into and uh, any questions uh, we got an interesting one from our uh, Longtime friend on uh, podcast and Discord, you know, he's I think is live as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the question was about consumer grade, uh, like opinions on consumer grade Kodak versus Fuji film, as well as just in general. Um, we we could get into that, but it's a longer topic, and maybe we should do like we should be more prepared 
mm-hmm. to get into that so maybe we will do it in a, another episode yeah or maybe we might do a video like on it standalone so mm-hmm. it's more in depth yes. um, but at the end of the day i think it's important to mention what with the color negative film i feel like nowadays especially with the you know digitalized processing I don't think it plays that much role anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your consumer films. They're going to be uh, not necessarily like the grain is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Of course, the biggest difference you will see in that is in the format you're shooting. So the bigger your picture, the less grain is going to be apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and most consumer grade films don't come in 120 uh, yeah. size. Um, you can cons- yeah, you can consider Lomo uh, films to be the, the, the thing that fills that. Gap, gap. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, other than that as I was saying with the digitalized process it's so easy to change everything and make it look the way you want or the way you had it in mind when you took the photo yeah. w- the real differences like the, the real effect of these differences between these emulsions was more th- of a thing when you were printing Yeah. because uh, if you get into printing um especially with color i really if you're into this topic i really recommend a channel on youtube called the naked photographer Mm. really cool videos uh he does a lot of printing uh videos and he will show you the how would you you would do a color correction on your print using filters that you have to look through and then when it looks right then you load that filter into the printing machine and so on so i think there the different emulsions even the same brand or across brands mm-hmm. is more of a deciding factor um but nowadays i think whatever f- film you have you can just shoot and and then do mo- color correction color yeah. grading change a lot the profiles yeah because yeah there are s- certain characteristics that are inherited to one or other brand mm-hmm. but if you really don't want to keep that inherited characteristic you can get rid of it when you are working with the photo afterwards exactly for sure yeah, there is. There was one controversy ab- uh, about controversy, controversy, about uh, Kodak and skin tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was um, if you have a darker skin, it's uh, hard to get the color right mm-hmm. with the with the. But I think that was an old thing, and it's more of a. Because I've seen a lot of like portrait of uh, black people on portrait, mm-hmm. and it looks great. Um, so I don't know. I, I think they might have addressed it. Maybe it was an old thing. So I don't think it's um, it's something to like meaningful to get into. Yeah. At least because I've seen results and they look great. So mm-hmm. uh, they the the thing was that Fuji was better uh, because it was sold in Asian markets and you know you have people from India, for example, and they have darker skin. Yeah. And uh, also Thailand and all these countries around mm-hmm. Japan, so they had this uh, the international market more in the mind. Edge, while yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. I saw this um, this piece on YouTube. I think it was. I don't remember who it was. It's something like The Verge or something. Mm-hmm. And it, f- it, f- it felt to me more like a political statement that rather than a technical one. So we don't care about that. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, if your intention is pure, you know, sometimes mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you think? Should we jump into it? Yes, I think we should. All right. Because it's a really cool. So uh, the photo that we're going to be talking about is called uh, Dali uh, Atomicus. Mm, yes. 
and uh, it's a really beautiful beautiful photo hold on let me pull it up it's a there crazy photo <laughs> yeah so uh, you can see here as eva mentioned earlier speaking of drawing with the pencil on a, on a negative I mean, what happened here? Yeah, try, try, try to describe it for the people that are not watching right now. <laughs> Hold on, let me just fix our thumbnail on the corner so mm -hmm. we're not obstructing anything. Right, yeah. So if you're listening to the podcast, what we're looking at is a picture of uh, Dali, the painter, famous painter, uh, jumping in the air uh, with his canvas next to him, also floating, and there's a... He's more or less in the center of the frame. Mm -hmm. On the left side, there's a chair also floating. And there is like this splash of water yes. um, that is cutting across the frame from the bottom right, bottom right corner all the way up to the right corner. But then it curves, goes to the right. Uh, there is um, three cats. <laughs> yes. Not just one, three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flying through... <laughs> across the frame from the right side and also there is a stool or like a two-step ladder and another, um, and another painting which was actually the inspiration for this photograph mm -hmm. uh, what was it called Lida Atomica, Lida Atomica yeah. um, and in the painting itself um, there's also floating elements um, I think um, when they were talking about this so yeah, should we do a little bit background on, uh, on yeah, the Yeah, that'd be nice, yes. Okay, so um, Hausmann is a very, very uh, well-known photographer, very well, uh, how do you say, pr prolific. Prolific, yeah, I would say. He has the most, the record of the most Time uh, Life. magazine. Uh, Life magazine. Life? I think so. Oh. I always confuse. I. Uh, let me just double check. He has 101 covers of the magazine that is called... Help me, Eva. Yes, Life. The Life <laughs> magazine. Yeah. Life magazine. No time. Life. No, sorry. And actually, this was a cover of Life as well. Yeah. I c got confused because I was also getting a piece from the time that I also linked in the description below. Mm -hmm. um, so Life magazine, 101 covers. This was one of them, as Eva mentioned. And um, he actually, they met in New York mm -hmm. while uh, in the 40s, I think in 41. Yeah. While they did live previously in Paris. At the same time. At the same time and never met. They never knew each other. And then they became good friends. Um, another interesting, I think, trivia about Philip Hausmann is that he went to the U.S. Mm -hmm. with the help of guess who? I don't know. Uh, well, none other than Albert Einstein. Oh, yeah. I know. He has a very popular photo of Einstein, yeah, right? Yeah, a few, a few of those. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he hooked him up with the visa oh, nice. to go to, uh, to America. And that's where he met Dali and... They, um, as, uh, as I heard uh, Philip's daughter mention on uh, the timepiece that I watched in preparation to this, uh, it was like, Dali never wanted to touch a camera and Philip never <laughs> wanted to touch a brush. <laughs> but so they were together. Yeah, but they were very happy working together and making these great images. That's and great. Uh, she was also in the making ah, yeah. of this photograph. She was a little kid at the time. And her job was to catch the cats after every take and dry them while somebody <laughs> mops the floor. Uh, I think her mom was holding the chair that yeah. you see on the side. Uh, so let me get into... Uh, I took some... Uh, 
some snapshots from the video. Here you can see the the fishing line that they used to suspend the the the, the frame, uh, the canvas. This mm -hmm. is the uh, Lida uh, Atomica. You can see that in the painting everything is floating, and there is a duck, which is funny because you know when they were trying to uh, to create this. Mm -hmm. Um, they were like thinking about it what do you want to do and then uh, Dali was like we can get a duck and put some dynamite in the back end <laughs> just blow it up. <laughs> blow it up <laughs> uh, and Philip was like no we can't do that we'll go to prison he was he was uh, an interesting character Dali yeah and instead they got a, a bunch of cats and then they threw them in the air I'm sure that nowadays someone would say throwing the cats in the air is also animal torture but I'm sure the cats had fun yeah cats that cats are fun they love it yeah <laughs> Uh, this is the camera that we was used. It's a TLR. Yes. Uh, might be custom made. I think as I was skimming through in preparation, but I might be very very wrong. If, as always, if you have any valuable information that we miss in the episode, yes. leave them in the comments below, and we will pin them for everybody else to read. Um, and uh, what else happened here? There, you can see according to his daughter. Uh, do you know wha how many takes they took? Do you remember? I think I told you a number. Yes, 20-something? 26. 26. Right. <laughs> so they, they did 26 takes. Every time uh, Philip will fire a shot and then he will take it out and run to the attic where he does the development and comes back this is not right this was too oh, far wow. this was too close let's redo this time did it 26 times until they got that what uh, shutter speed do you think it was maybe 500 of a second i have no idea i i couldn't That's find cool. um i couldn't find information on the technical stuff because mm -hmm. if you notice in the frame that i'm showing uh right now on the screen you will see that the the frame in the in um where the canvas is supposed to be where dali's painting is empty yes right but if we look at the final image the cat, you <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you will see that there's a there's a painting there mm -hmm. and uh, the thing that happened is that dali painted after the fact and they collaged it in oh nice actually when you show me this photo mm -hmm. and you asked me like can you guess how how they made this you know mm -hmm. like we, you were like oh maybe we should talk about this photo mm -hmm. and because i do know that collages weren't that weird of a thing to do you know to make to create a crazy image or to create mm -hmm. a crazy photo that you want to put different elements together so uh, to me the most logical is like yeah they took photos of the individual things and then they kind of put it in together which is the old school photoshop mm -hmm. but then you're like no 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 they actually took one photo this is one photo yeah. and i was like what yeah. <laughs> But apparently there was some collage happening. Oh yeah, but I mean that's like minimal. But all the, to create all yeah, this, it was like kind of cuts. part of the of the art in itself, right? Yeah, I mean you would assume that uh, the uh, here you, I'm showing you guys uh, different variations that of shots that didn't work, and you would assume out of all things that the cats were the things that would maybe like added to the photo or the splash of water, but it was the painting. Here you can see the family, the Hi. whole family. And they're all uh, holding their TLRs. Um, the, the sizes. Yeah. Look, they just like, it's so perfect. <laughs> I know, right? It's so cute. Especially the, the, the smaller daughter has the... the pap Papa TLR, Mama TLR, <laughs> older sister TLR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and here you can see that somebody's holding the chair. Yeah. And the cat's flying across the room. 
Let's see what else. I'm just showing you all the text that I could find on uh, on this image, and you can see they literally tried so many takes. Ah, here I found. Yeah, water from the other side. Yeah. He was also using a Kodak film of some sort. Mm -hmm. There, so so. Kodak, yeah. Uh, but the the thing that I couldn't find was that how did they um, how did they collage that image? That's what I'm not sh um, so sure about. So what I read. Okay. Let me see if I find here. Uh, let me see if I find it. Yeah. So the only thing is that when Halsman Halsman finally satisfied with the was satisfied with the composition. Dali added a finishing touch to the printed photograph, mm -hmm. the shrills of pain that appeared on uh, on the easel. So he actually painted the photo. Yeah. He painted the photo. So it was not really a collage of things and then made a photo. Is the photo, the printed one, mm -hmm. he painted on top of it. All right. So he painted Apparently. on top of the print. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good enough for me. Um, so... When I was uh, doing some uh, reading on uh, on Halsman on his um, website, mm -hmm. uh, you can see that he has a autobiography there, and what he was talking about the most there was a section is the um, experiments with light, mm -hmm. and I think that he very early on, um, when I, I think when he was fifteen, that's when he started, and mm -hmm. he didn't have he, he didn't have the ability to buy film. Oh. So he could only buy, uh, like, uh, wet plates. Yeah. Right? These glass pieces that are mm -hmm. basically painted with emulsion layer, and then he would load them into the camera. And, mm -hmm. and that's when he got, fa you know, um, how do you say, what's the word? He fell in love with the whole photographic mm -hmm. process. And he was actually studying to become an engineer, mm -hmm. and he dropped out, if I remember correctly, last year. And then decided to go to Paris and be become a photographer. But then later on, as he kept experimenting, he realized the importance of light and um, how how much it can change the image. And I think this is a important uh, topic to. Sorry, I kicked your camera it's again. Right. It's an important topic to to think about, especially going back to our last episode mm -hmm. um, in relation to gear versus technique is that this this man became one of the most prolific photographers of, of his time maybe you look now at the images and be like yeah it's like you can easily do that with the strobe and whatever he was working with the floodlights until he moved to america that's where he learned about flash mm -hmm. and stuff like that it wasn't common at the time in europe and so gear does play a role but how much you take it how much you push it what you do with it is all up to you so if you have a camera you already have your foot in the door and you have basically yeah. all kind of things to be able to it do it is with very it. scientific in nature as well right like trial and error and you experiment and you take notes and then you learn what you can do with it so to me it has a lot of science in it even though like you might not know you know what the science behind making a photo but you are doing a scientific process when you are testing light and learning how to work with it and you know doing experiment after experiment yeah what i mean i feel like this kind of one of the things that 
maybe like um, attracts you and I to the to film because you're more more involved in the process. Um, because what you when you shoot, like if you grew up in a digital era, mm -hmm. y we take the cameras for granted. <laughs> you know, you just press a button and a photo appear, yeah. and then you can do that two thousand more times before you have to switch cards. Yeah, and uh, which is great. This is fantastic, you know. Uh, I, I wonder if these um, classic photographers from the old days, what what would, how would their experience would have been, if if they were born now? Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, because as you mentioned, uh, it, that approach is very scientific, um, and these, like for example, he was going to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. dropped out because he fell in, in love with another science that is photography i see it a bit like that yes right but do you feel like a photography is like digital photography is losing the science element uh it, 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 i think it really depends of how involved the photographer is in what's happening yeah. right it really depends on the approach because you can not really have to even register what things are you changing and then because you can change so many things and then try an error without really, you know, doing more. Mm -hmm. Thinking about like, oh, what does the closing the aperture means? Why do I get more light if I change this this particular setting or not? And I do think that all photographers, if they really get into photography, they will eventually get to know these things. Mm -hmm. You know, what does it mean how the triad of uh, eyes or shutter speed and aperture relate to each other into the sensitivity or into getting the image into mm -hmm. the sensor and all that. That has the principles of it are the same. Mm -hmm. in analog photography, film photography, and digital photography. And I do want to believe that the photographers that are working as photographers would have that knowledge eventually. But um, of course, you take away all the chemistry process of it. That was a lot of science into photography that does not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Nobody goes and wonders oh, how does the printer makes the image in the printer, right? And puts the ink together. But but before, when you were working in the darkroom, you knew these chemicals are doing this, these steps are doing that. Mm -hmm. This is how you get the, the film developed. This is how you make a print. So I do think that digital photography allows people to be less in touch with the science of it in order to get the results. Yeah, I think. You know what I feel like? I feel like um, digital is almost like the equivalent of having a really good zoom lens you know what i mean <laughs> you don't have to move yeah no you don't <laughs> have to move and then you don't exp explore as many angles as you could possibly when you're limited by a, by a prime lens and then because oh i can't go here I can't, i'm trying to back up but there's a wall so maybe yeah. i'll go into that corner so it's like you have to figure your way around it more than than if it was you can just zoom in or zoom out mm -hmm. you know just like go very wide and then you don't have you don't care about the wall behind you mm -hmm. um this topic of like how much science there is in photography kind of makes me think back uh, also about like how much art there is in science which i think there is a duality there and i think both things are artists and scientists have a 
a lot more in common that they normally think when they don't get to know each other or talk to each other about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. At least my utopic vision of the scientist, let's say, you know, because I know not all scientists have the same ideas in mind or they work with the same type of uh, workflow or or they are in science for the same reasons. Let's just be honest about that. Yeah. But the utopic idea of a scientist t- to me is so much more closer t- to my idea of an artist that a lot of them realize. Mm. So now you're saying like how if the new photography it's allowing people to have less science in it or be less in touch with the science. I'm thinking a little bit about how much creativity and artist mind is needed to be a good scientist as well. So I think there are a lot of things shared between the two mm, ways of thinking yeah. and acting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think intention plays a role with whatever you do. And... Uh, Yeah. Hold, uh, before I before we keep going, I wanted to ask you something. I think you said you were familiar with the um, with the image because I just found that I prepared the file for it, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to share it with the folks watching. Yes. So I'm gonna go back. Um, these are the two paintings. Uh, well, the painting on the left is uh, Atomic Leda. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the inspiration mm-hmm. for the photo. The one on the right, however, what's up with that one? Uh, I I actually don't know the, the story or the history behind it. I just, it's a very stri- strikingly visual photograph that I remember seeing in books and especially in, I think, of mid-century photography um, portfolios. That one kept like coming up and up because I think it's a very unique image in itself. Oh, so they actually took a photo. Yeah, 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 yeah. They took a photo. Because I remember seeing that. Um, uh, I was no watching. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I completely forgot. Um, I, remember <laughs> I remember seeing a photo um, of. Uh, do you think the stream will be down? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Right. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> should we edit that part out? We'll see. Uh, well, sorry, YouTube. We're not monetized yet, so I think we can do whatever. Um, uh, what I was going to say is that uh, I thought that they had it. Uh, because I think I saw Philip or Dali holding that the image. Pi- picture, okay. Yeah, in their hand. And then... Uh, well, I guess that's not safe for work either. Uh, <laughs> but the the photo of Dali with the bodies right next to him making a skull. Yeah. I think I, I saw him holding it in his hand. Maybe that was point. a posterior or something. But I think yeah. the original idea was to make a photo. Yeah. With a subject and then the skull as well. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to take another look at it. I'm going to turn off the the sharing. Tim is saying that whenever we show something on the monitor, the mic volume goes down a bit. We oh. apologize. Yeah, I think I know how to fix that really quickly. Uh, thank you, Tim, for for that. Uh, can you keep the conversation yes, going? Yes, so <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I remember seeing that photo and being very 
like attracted to it to look at it because I was, you know, it's, it's the subject of so macabre, like a skull, but it's actually made of living pieces, which is these women. Uh, somehow it was like so, like a cognitive dissonance in my head when I was looking at that at that photo. All right, and hold on, I'm gonna interrupt you. Yes. Brace yourself. I brace. And the audio should be fixed now. Yes. Okay. Great. All right. <laughs> so you were seeing that photo, and you yeah, yeah. It was like, how, how, what does this mean? I remember thinking like. What does it mean for the author? Like, why did they decide to make this, <laughs> this particular, this particular motive? But with these women, and of course, you know, like Dali was known for his surrealist ideas and work, and I think like things don't really need to make sense. But it is a very, like, striking image to be in front of. I think. Yeah, because I'm looking at it now, and the, the proportions and the way they're floating in the air mm -hmm. is uh, is curious as well. Yes, it's very curious. I never, I never really analyzed that image. It, it just feels so natural when you look at it. That it, but at the same time, when you take a second to look what's going on, it's like, oh, how is this body of people just suspended in the air? Yeah. You know, I mean, a bunch of bodies. There's somebody on the bottom as well. It looks like they're not standing anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. I think this man had uh, like great ideas. He was super creative to try to come up with. Uh, I, I I see the relationship with Dali. Dali comes up with these crazy ideas, and he's like, "Okay, let's just try to see how we can make it actually happen." Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I my chain of thoughts is now completely off. Yeah. After realizing how many uh, how many nude women we displayed <laughs> on the podcast, and I was completely not thinking about it, you know, like I'm looking at this, <laughs> it's art, it's beautiful, and then in my head, I'm not like. No, to me, it's not something prohibited or like no, it's something natural, something normal. I don't see it more like I if it would be, and cat the same it's exactly like the cat it's just there and beautiful figures <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's it's not sexual in any way so no i completely slipped my head that <laughs> we're showing that on the on the stream uh, um, issues of their life <laughs> yeah but yeah i think uh, i think this uh this is about it for today yeah I it's a short one we wanted to like share this image with you guys and i encourage people to if you have an idea of creating an image try how you could actually make it happen making one image instead of resourcing to other techniques like collage or making different photos and putting them together which is also artistic in itself and it's nothing wrong with it but i think the exercise of thinking how would you make it happen as a as a photo mm. it's super interesting and then you have a whole story to tell about how that photo became the photo it is right right and so if you have an idea of something crazy, I encourage you go and think how can I make it actually happen. Yep, and uh, I think it's it's an important subject to touch on when it comes to uh, editing your photos, mm -hmm. because um, uh, if you're familiar with Nick Carver, he did a really really cool video on this topic. Yes, we recommend. Uh, I'm guessing if you're watching this, you've probably seen the video, but if not, uh, watch it. Maybe I'll link it down below mm -hmm. uh, about. Um, his feelings on editing photos and i do share a lot of his views on the topic um and here yet we are talking about 
these photos, how they were staged and how they were edited. But it goes back to the fact that not all photos are the same. So when you're thinking about, for example, uh, something that is conceptual is completely different than something that is uh, journalistic. Yes. So if you're if you're showing something that is not obviously supposed to be staged, mm-hmm. I think y- you are kind of uh, what's the word? You're obli- uh, you you you're required to to tell be, us that is yeah to be truthful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So d- I think the problem is when you're trying to pass off something staged as if it was not. Yeah. Uh, is is the decep- deception? The deception is what. It should not be permitted. And yeah. it's just not nice. I think um, we we uh, we were somebody was showing their photos. I'm not gonna name names or where mm-hmm. I was looking at these photos, but somebody was showing their photos and then they were like, "Oh, do you like this version or this version?" And the second ver one of the versions was completely different. Like the sky was completely. Uh, yes. Uh, it was changed. it was a completely different sky, and I was like. Well, hold on a second which one like i don't even know which one is the real one and from that point on because that person wasn't upfront about it and said that this is a changed sky mm-hmm. because the photo was uh, just a landscape photo mm-hmm. and now i'm like every time i see a photo by that person um sometimes it's a very interesting moment you know and i it could be a very interesting photo if it was captured uh naturally yeah but if it was staged it's mediocre as a stage photo and it loses the value no 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 no. that's not what i'm saying if they if it was supposed to be staged okay yeah yeah yeah. it looks like a mediocre staged photo Mm -hmm. but it looks like a great street photo Mm -hmm. there's a difference yeah right Uh, yeah so like if you kick the ball in basketball it's a foul and if you touch the ball with your hand, yes, in f- in football, so inherently it's not right or wrong; it's yeah. what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of uh, made me lose all faith in whatever photos that person posts. I'm I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, I lost interest. I'm like, yeah, who cares? I mean, and there are sadly well-known photographers that obviously they are doing those kind of things but they don't talk about it and yeah. they are not really transparent about what they're doing and they are selling very expensive photographs that i wouldn't consider photographs if anything it might be graphic art yeah but they are but here here's the thing so l- l- if we're talking about stage photos uh what's his name the famous photographer he did he did that album cover that got f- very famous uh david la chapelle no, but yeah, David LaChapelle is uh, the one that did the uh, He does very the rapper. Yeah, yeah, he does like very elaborate uh, f- shots. Fo- shots. Yeah. I respect that. Maybe it's not necessarily my thing, maybe it's not necessarily my color palette or anything. I do enjoy some of his photos. Not all of his photos are my cup of tea, but I can't take anything away. I can't criticize any of his work because he's doing something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. These staged photos are staged to uh to a specific point to a certain point that you have to admire the amount of work put into it yeah, put into it but so like you look at it and you're immediately like what the heck happened here <laughs> yes how is this a uh, photo and then you're like yeah i mean you understand that mm-hmm. it's a stage photo that things are not just there but it's at least beautiful mm-hmm. put there beautifully 
there's another photographer that I can't remember the name of, and he always does these photos of people who are fallen on their face. Oh yeah, you show me that, yeah. Yeah, and they uh, always takes a like top-down view of people just falling in the most random places. Weirds, yeah. With like uh, things flying everywhere, and I love this uh, fo- like photographer's work because that's not something that's just gonna happen on its own, but it's very interesting to look at. Um, especially when you have as many scenarios as they created. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there was a man or a woman, uh, the photographer. Uh, but uh, if I find it, I will leave it below. As yes. always. Um, so yeah, that's... that's a co- And I think the work that Philip and um, Dali did together definitely falls into that c- category. Maybe it was the, the birth, let's say, of yeah. that category as far as I know. I'm sure people did something like that, maybe not exactly like that before. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the first, uh, let's say, well-known ap- uh, occurrences of this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, be upfront about your work. And if you're trying to uh, create something yeah. extraordinary, go for it and go for it full throttle, full throttle. Don't try to hide it under something that is not. You know, don't try to pass a landscape photo that is with a different sky as a real photo. That was taken. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, on that topic, Tim commented, back in the early parts of the 20th century, it used to be completely normal to paste a different sky in photos. So common, you can see the same sky in several different photos. <laughs> I believe it stems from the difficulties in capturing properly exposed skies. I immediately was thinking that it was probably because of a limitation. Yeah. And it was a solution to a limitation. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you can still uh, capture the sky. It wasn't because they had a, a lack of interesting sky. No. It was because they had a lack of sky in the photo. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing in the 20s. Y- they couldn't expose the foreground and the background. Yeah. So they had to... It's kind of like HDR photography. A little bit, yeah. What I'm talking about is this app that people use. Is that uh, it, it, it just something AI... And yeah. it just just puts a different sky. You can choose which sky do you want. Do you want it to be Sunset, this one? Sunset, midday, yeah. with this sh- with these clouds. Yeah, I mean, I- it's not the same. I don't. I wouldn't consider it the same. I mean, again, it's okay as long as you're doing something creative with it, mm-hmm. not just a normal landscape. You know, and uh, I mean, do whatever you want, but <laughs> I think uh, transparency is important, uh, especially nowadays. You know, you see a lot of people talking all about the the deep fakes and uh, deep fakes and all that stuff. I don't know. It's where I think it's going off the rails. Speaking of going on r- off the rails and stuff that really, really agitates me, I think we promised the people that we're going to talk about other things than <laughs> photography <laughs> on this podcast. And I think I should probably tell you what happened yesterday. <laughs> what do you think? Sure. Should I go into it? Sure. All right. I have a poll for you guys. If you're on the line in the grocery store <laughs> and you have a bunch of stuff, will you, and you then you see somebody coming in with one item in their hand, will you say, hey, is that the only thing you have? And they say yes. And they say, well, you can go ahead. I have a bunch of stuff. Will you do that or will you stand your ground and check out your groceries and let them wait behind you 
to check out their single item. I mean, one thing is, okay, if you want to go quickly with your groceries and you have a lot of groceries and you just want to get over with. But what happened to you was not that case. What happened to you is that someone didn't let you and then stood for a long time chatting with the cashier and taking its sweet time to finish <laughs> is a different thing. Right. <laughs> and as, so I, was, I went to buy a jar of pickles yesterday. <laughs> And there was uh, there was this woman. She was checking out her groceries, and I stood in line behind her. And then another woman comes from the end of the aisle, and she's like rushing to <laughs> to to stop me from standing in the line. And she's like, uh, "If you don't mind, this is my my turn in the line." And I was surprised because like I I've been standing here for a few seconds now, and you just showed up out of nowhere. And I was like. I turned, I gave her a second to realize that I'm holding a single jar of pickles and maybe she will change her mind. She'll be like, oh, do you only have that? Sure, you can go ahead. Uh, she stayed quiet. She didn't say anything. So I was like, sure, go ahead. And she took her, took my place in the line. With the things that she had on her? Yeah, she, so she basically was carrying like four or five items. And I was like, fine, four or five items, whatever. <laughs> And then, so the woman that was already checking out was almost done. So she started putting her stuff. And there was a pile of stuff on the on the floor <laughs> that she earlier had left there. And uh, it was a lot. And that's not the only thing that bothered me is that apparently she was like close friends with the cashier. <laughs> and they were just having a conversation, like a brunch, you know. It was like, And the cashier was into the conversation. So she check out an item and then talk to her for a while and then grab the second item, check it out <laughs> and talk more. I was standing there. I was like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Someone's in the chat. She cheated. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what to think about that. I was really upset. And then I got to my turn and then I checked out the item and I walked out. She was still maybe like two uh, two items in her bag. Because she was still talking to the cashier. I mean, just let me go. <laughs> Let me go. Why do you imprison me in this grocery store? You know, you didn't have to. I was there <laughs> with a jar of pickles. <laughs> oh, I wasn't there, but it's quite comedia, comedic to to hear the story. I know it's very frustrating. I know. It's I, mean, it's not, I mean, I get it. It's just, I just want to take this moment. I want to take this platform to do a public servant service announcement. If you if you see somebody on in the grocery stores uh, in line, and they have a single item, let them go ahead of you. They'll appreciate it. You and will make this person happy that day. Yeah. Definitely. And you'll get some karma. Definitely. Karma yeah. points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on that silly note, I think, uh, unless we have anything in the chat. Uh, no, they were just commenting. I, I said, I commented what they said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, then. As always, thank you guys for watching. Um Yes, keep an eye on our social media because we always open, you know, time for questions right before the episode so we can, you know, if you want to comment anything or ask anything, we will cover it during the episodes as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, of course. And also you can DM us, uh, talk to us about if you want to share your music with us. We're in desperate need for that. Your art. <laughs> uh, your and ideas, your art, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're... Um, soon announcing uh, maybe we're gonna launch our own discord or something like that uh, just to have it for uh, photo competitions maybe yeah uh, so that's something to uh, keep your eye on as well um, but other than that i think 
Uh, that's it for today. Yes. As always, thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.